Father, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost in us, the teacher who will cause us to teach under his anointing and who will cause your people to receive that spirit that reveals Christ and we're not going to be the same because Jesus is going to change us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're going to start at verse 9, and, and we're going to read from verse 9 to verse 10. And what I want to talk to you this morning is about fulfilling your calling. Fulfilling your calling. Fulfilling your calling. And, and I just want you to know that every single believer has a calling from God to fulfill. It is not just pastors that are called to, to do what they do. Every single person who is a part of the body of Christ has a particular calling upon his or her life. And when you come to the end of your days, you want to be able to say, I ran my race, I finished my course. You want to be able to say, the calling upon my life, I lived for it, I gave myself to it, and I fulfilled it. You don't want to come to the end of your life and discover that you spent 70, 80, 90 years on this earth. God gave you all that time. And you came to the end of your days and your work was left undone. Is there anyone here who is serious about fulfilling the calling of God upon your life. If you are, raise your hand. I, want to, I don't want to preach a message that is irrelevant. Seriously, if you want to hear about your calling and how to fulfill it, raise your hand high. Let the Holy Ghost see. Amen. 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 All right. If there's a hunger for revelation, the Lord will give you revelation. Hallelujah. You know, some people come to church and they leave and they say, I didn't get anything. The reason they didn't get anything, they weren't looking or expecting anything. Amen. If there's no desire to learn, no desire to hear God speaking to you, you don't feel you need to hear God speak to you, if you're not hungry for it, chances are you'll come and go and receive nothing. While the person next to you will find their heart so blessed, their life so enriched. Recall the woman with the issue of blood and all the crowd. They were all there, and I guarantee you probably 99% of those people that were around Jesus that day needed some type of healing. Okay, but they had no expectation. They were just there in the crowd, maybe to see what was going to happen, to see if he could do something to move them. But this woman with the issue of blood had a different attitude towards Jesus and towards her being there. She knew he had something she needed, and she was intent on receiving it, and she was not only healed, she was completely healed and made whole. Hear me, never come to this place where Jesus is. He said, Bishop, how come you say Jesus is? Because Jesus said, whenever we gather together, he will be there, and because Jesus said, I am the one building my church. So unless Jesus is lying, if he's building his church, he's here. Unless he wasn't telling the truth, there are more than two of us here gathered in his name, he's here. All right? And there's no reason for him to be here. You're here, we're here, and you receive nothing from him. And don't say it's the, it's the pastor's fault. No, it's not the pastor's fault because Jesus is faithful. Hallelujah. So be prepared to hear him speak, and then don't just hear, be a doer of the word. Hear it in order to understand it, and then understand it in order to do it. 
Are you hear me? Because it is in the doing of it that you are blessed and you are transformed. It is not the hearer of the word, but what? The doer of the word that is blessed. How many of you are doers of the word? Good. Well, you can't do the word until you hear the word and understand the word. So pay attention, okay? Shake off the, the, that spirit of slumber. Don't close your eyes because I know you're not meditating. <laughs> Keep your eyes open wide. All right. You ready for the word? Okay. So we're talking about how to fulfill your calling. And this is the last sermon in our series on, that we began a few weeks ago. Uh, a, new, a new beginning requires a new you. And we talked about having the right motivation. We talked about uh, commit, committing yourself to maturity. Last week we talked about the importance of consecrating yourself. And today I want to talk about what it's going to take to fulfill your high calling. Amen. Now that you've consecrated yourself, how do you fulfill your high calling? Do you even know what your calling is? How do you discover your calling? And then when you discover your calling, what must you do to make sure that you fulfill it? These are the questions that if you listen very well, you're going to get some answers to in Jesus' name. All right? Let's read what Paul had to say here in verse 9 and 10. Together. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Let me just pause there. Paul states here that he is the least of the apostles. And we'll comment on that later. But I want you to see why he felt that he was the least. Later on, Paul was to say, he says, I'm the chief of sinners. Why did Paul feel concerning himself that he was the chief of sinners? Why did he feel that of all the apostles he was the least? Paul tells you why. He felt he was the least qualified, least deserving of all of the other apostles to be called to the office of the apostleship because Paul remembered that he once persecuted the church. The thing that made him feel that he was the chief of sinners at one point in his life was because he remember before he came to Christ, he persecuted the church. Of all the things that Paul did that were wrong and that disqualified him for the apostleship, the thing he considered most evil was the action he took against the church. The things he did to attack the church, the words he spoke against the church, the harm he brought to the church. His attitude and behavior towards the church in his mind were the worst things he ever did. Because he remembered that when Jesus faced him on the road to Damascus, Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? Because whenever you attack the church with your words, with your actions, with your behavior, you do things against the church. You speak evil words against the church. You may not throw stones at the, at the window, but you throw stones with your mouth. And you say things that are intended to make the church look bad, to shame the church. you got to understand what you're doing. That's perhaps one of the worst, if not the worst type of sin you can commit. Are the sins you commit against his body. Because when you're speaking against his body, you're speaking against him. You got to always remember the body, the church is the body of Christ. And always honor her. 
You got to always remember the church is the bride of Christ and always honor her. You got to always remember the church is what God has chosen, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is what God has chosen through whom to reveal to principalities and powers his wisdom. Always remember that. Don't join those who attack the church. Join those who pray for the church. Join those who seek to the good of the church. Join those who thank God for the church. Join those who by your very presence, your attitude, your actions, you build up the church and you make the church better. Are you hearing me? Don't allow the enemy to use you in any way to put down and make the church irrelevant in the eyes of men. So Paul, uh, looking at his life, he says, man, I am an apostle, but I'm the least. I'm a chief of sinners, and this is why. My attitude and my actions against his church was what disqualified me the most for being used by him to minister to the church. You can't be criticizing and attacking the church and then be used by the Lord to bless the church. Do you hear me? He said, Bishop, why do you keep saying this? Because I believe God has put it in my heart to keep saying that because there's warfare against the church during this season. And everywhere you turn, people are putting the church down. And many of those who are putting the church down are members of the church. They point, oh, the church. What is the church doing? The church is the church. Is. Well, aren't you part of the church unless you're not saved? If you claim you're saved, then you are a part of the church. So when you're pointing to the church, you've got to always remember you're pointing to yourself. But many times when they criticize the church, they act like they're not part of the church. And so to speak as though they're outside of the church, but the truth is you're in the church unless you're not saved. And sometimes the criticisms against the church indicate that you probably are not saved. I'm not saying always. But Jesus said you would know you pass from death to life because you love the brethren, because you love the church. It's an indication that his life to us and you because he loves the church. Oh, goodness. So you know you've passed from death to life because you love the church. Why? Because if Christ is in you, he loves the church and that will show up in your life. Now, I'm not saying you never point out things that we can do better and you never bring correction. But there's an attitude you need to have. You should see yourself as part of the problem. When you're pointing out a problem. Don't stand outside and say they, 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 they. No. Identify with it and then ask yourself, what am I doing about the problem that I'm pointing out? How am I going to make a difference in that area? Don't just criticize it and stay outside for somebody else to fix it. That's hypocrisy. Say, Bishop, we started fussing with us. No, I'm not fussing with you. I'm just telling you the truth so that you can be better, I can be better, we can be better, and Christ can be glorified. Say hallelujah. So Paul knew he needed to fix his attitude concerning the church. But So he says, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. I'm the chief of sinners because I persecuted the church of God. It would not be true of you in Jesus' name. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. He's saying I work harder 
than all of these other apostles. Okay, he's saying, I work harder than Peter. I worked harder than, than James. I work harder than John. He says, listen, I labored. I work harder than them. And he's talking about how much he worked to fulfill his call. In fulfilling his call, Paul went all kinds of places. He traveled all kinds of places. He put himself in all kinds of dangerous situations. He built so many churches. He made so many disciples. He was beaten. He was stoned. And he kept going. He never quit. Even when he knew that his life was on the line, he still went. Paul said, listen, when I look at all that I did to fulfill my call, I'm the least of all the apostles, but I want you to know I have worked harder than all of them. Not boasting, just on the truth. Okay? But then he says, yet not I. Yet not I. It's the grace of God. In other words, Everything I did, I could not have done it, would not have been able to do it had it not been for the grace of God that sustained me. The grace of God that gave me the motivation in order to do this. I could not have done this if the grace of God had not been energizing and empowering me the whole time to do what I was doing. So he talks about God's grace. If you notice, there are three times grace appears in that verse. The grace of God, one the grace of God, two, the grace of God, three. It seems like the grace of God was quite, quite important to Paul and to the call. Hallelujah. Now, that's, that's background. We're going to come back to some of those thoughts. But again, the whole purpose of this message is to show you what it's going to take for you to fulfill your call. Now, if you're sleeping, you're going to miss it. So wake up. You're not meditating. In Jesus' name. Take a deep breath, pinch yourself, hit yourself, whatever you got to do. In fact, let me give you permission to stand. Everybody stand. Take a deep breath, move your body. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit of slumber. Amen. Be seated. No, seriously, this message is too important for you not to hear it. Okay, so. Every one of you has a what? A calling. Now, and that's important. It is not just Bishop Johnson and the pastors that have a calling. You have a calling. And you say, Bishop, but what is my calling? How do I know it? Here's how you will get to know what you're called to do. First and foremost, you have to identify what I call the general calling of God that is upon every believer. Every single one of us who is in the body of Christ has received a call from God. It's the same call that all of us have received. And there are three parts to this call. Every single believer is called to love God and glorify him with their life. Absolutely. Every one of you is called to live your life in such a way that you show love for God and you glorify God, which means God can be revealed to others through you. One. Two, every single one of you is called to use your gifts, natural and spiritual, to build up the body of Christ. Every single one. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that he gives us gifts so that we can build up his body. Absolutely. Thirdly, every single one of us is called to advance his kingdom in the earth. Go ye into all the world, advance my kingdom. So here are three things that 
all of us are called to, and they constitute the general calling of God. You will never discover or fulfill your particular call unless you embrace your general call. Do you hear me? So let's repeat it. My, I want all of you to say, I am called with every other believer to love and glorify God, to build up his body, the church, and to expand his kingdom on the earth. You're called to that. That's a calling. And you will not discover your particular call unless you first commit yourself to the general call. Because your particular call is, is nothing more or nothing less than the specific way God wants to work through you to fulfill the general call. What God calls you to do, what God wants to do through you in particular to fulfill the general call is your particular call. So you always got to begin with a commitment to the general calling. You've got to begin by saying, Lord, I'm committed to living a life that will of love for you and that will glorify you. I'm committed, Lord, to using my gifts natural and spiritual to build up your body, the church. And I'm committed to using my gifts natural and spiritual to expand your kingdom. I'm committed to that because that is what you've called me and every member to. Now, when you get serious and you get faithful about fulfilling the general call, you will in the process discover your particular assignment within the context of the general call. You will find that in fulfilling the general call, there's a particular problem, a particular way God wants to work through you to glorify him, build up his body, advance his kingdom. And when you discover the particular way that God wants to work through you, you will then have discovered your particular calling within the general calling. Is it clear? You see, I started off being committed as a Christian to loving God and glorifying God with my life, to doing whatever I could with the gifts God had given me to minister to his body and build up his body, to expand his kingdom. As I committed to that and as I was faithful to that, something began to happen that led me to my particular calling. My heart began to move and gravitate towards preaching and teaching. Are you hearing me? My heart began to move and to gravitate towards studying God's word in order to make God's word clear to people. So my heart started to gravitate towards that. And then on top of that, I began to notice as my heart gravitated towards this, I had gifts in this area that made me effective. So that when I taught God's word in general, not always, most people are blessed. Most people receive something that helps them. So now, the movement of my heart, the recognition of the effectiveness of my gifts in this particular area, then opportunity plus opportunity, these things came together to help me identify that within my, this general calling, my particular calling has to do with preaching and teaching God's word to God's people. So I stand before you today, I'm fulfilling my particular calling. 
I am I'm playing an apostolic pastoral role in the body of Christ. And I'm fulfilling a particular call. But this thing I'm doing right now is the way God has chosen to use me to do three things. Glorify himself, build up his body, expand his kingdom. Likewise, there's a particular thing that God wants to do through you. To do what? Glorify him, build up his body, expand his word. There's a particular way God wants to use you. There's a particular assignment God wants to fulfill through you as part of your general calling becomes your particular calling. How will you know? Watch where your heart keeps driving you towards. What problems do you now have a desire to solve? What needs do you see in his body that you really want to see met? What gifts do you find working in you when you are meeting those needs, when you are working in those areas? Do you see results? Do they bring you fulfillment? If you, are, if you see that, you know, this is where I belong. Is it possible to lower the heat? Because I think that's why people are sleeping. Make this place cold. <laughs> Make this place cold. I'm serious. If you can, do something with the, with the heat. All right? The devil wants to steal this word. I've refused for him to steal this word. Make it cold. In fact, put on the air conditioner. <laughs> but am I helping you? Because when you come to the end of your life, you want to be able to say, I finished. I fulfilled my call. I did what I was supposed to do. And I'm showing you how to discover that. You discover that by committing yourself to the general call. And as you pursue the general call, as you serve faithfully in your local church, you will find your heart being drawn towards a particular type of ministry, a particular type of need. And you will find that you, 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 you get great fulfillment when you are solving those types of problems. And then you discover that there are gifts there that make you effective in that area. It doesn't mean the gifts are fully developed once you start, but the more you use it, you find that those gifts and abilities are getting better and better. And they make you feel real fulfilled. Nobody really has to push you to do those things. You're actually motivated to do them. That often, if not always, is the indication of the area that God wants to work through you to solve. And when you discover your particular calling, you need to take ownership of it and commit to it. Amen? So I've discovered mine, and that's why... I'm, I'm taking it serious. And when you're sleeping on me, I want the air conditioning to come on. Because for me, this is so important, right? It's so important. Now, you may be called to something different. Your particular calling may be as a businessman. How will you discover that? As you seek to glorify God in your life, to love and glorify God, as you seek to build up his body, as you seek to advance his kingdom... You may find yourself desiring to start businesses that will glorify God. Businesses that will build up his church. Are you hearing me? Businesses that will help to expand God's kingdom. And you just find great fulfillment in, in that area. You, see, you realize God wants to use me in this area 
to start businesses that will glorify him, that will build up his, his body, and that will advance his kingdom. All of a sudden, you're not just in business to make money. You're in business because you feel called by God. This is how God wants to use you to fulfill this general calling. This is the particular way God wants to work through you. Your heart is fulfilled when you're doing those kinds of things. In the church, your heart is fulfilled when you're helping to organize and make things happen. Are you hearing me? If you discover that, then realize I've been called to this. And if I'm called to this, then I've got to make some commitment to make this happen in this area. Okay? Or some of you are called to work with children. So as you're in the local church and as you're committing yourself to the general calling, you find your heart driving you towards ministry to children. There's just something about sharing the gospel with children. There's just something about encouraging children the things of God that just motivates you. You find, you find your heart gravitating towards the needs of children. And, 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 and you follow your heart there. And then you find that you have gifts and abilities that God has given you in that area just to minister with children. And when you are not ministering to children, you just don't feel complete. Well, you may have discovered your particular calling where God wants to work through you, the kind of problem God wants to solve, the types of needs God wants to meet in his kingdom through you. And it's connected to the children's ministry. I'm here, I'm preaching, you know what? I, 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 I have the highest degree of respect for people who are working with the children. Because for me, that's the hardest thing to do. Uh, I mean, it's easy for me to stand up here and talk to y'all. Because that's my area of gifting. But please don't ask me to teach the children. Because I will be like fish out of water. And then we have these people who are so committed to that. I mean, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year, they keep showing up because that by compulsion, their heart just drives them towards children. They're first of all committed to the call of God, to glorify God, to build up his body, to advance his kingdom, but their heart pulls them towards, in particular, ministering to children. And so they keep showing up. Whether or not the parents appreciate it, they still show up. They don't allow, the way sometimes they're not appreciated. The way sometimes they're criticized. They don't let that stop them. They just keep showing up, ministering to children. They have discovered the particular area that God wants them to work in because that's what he wants to use them to do. He wants to work through them to minister to children. That's their call. Are we listening? Every single one of us has the same general call. And as we fulfill the general call, we will discover our particular call. And the primary way that we'll discover our particular call is by observing the thing that our heart drives us to. The type of needs that we just have a great desire to meet. And when you begin to see gifts in that area and find find fulfillment, no matter what people are saying, you keep being pulled towards that, you know what your assignment is. And when you discover your assignment, you need to own it. And you need to commit to it in order that you might fulfill it. 
Are you here? So practically speaking, what this means? It means until you discover what you can call my calling or my particular assignment, you go ahead and commit to the general calling that is upon everybody's life. Commit to that, and in the process, you'll discover that area that you keep being drawn to, that your heart finds great fulfillment in, and that you have gifts in, in Jesus' name. And when you discover that, commit yourself to it. Do not love whether people appreciate you or don't appreciate you, praise you or don't praise you, thank you or don't thank you. Okay, because you're not doing it to, for them, you're doing it unto God. This is a work God has given you. God is working through you. God is fulfilling his purpose through you. And you're going to remain committed to that so that when you come to the end of your days, like the Apostle Paul, you can look back and say, I finished. Now I'm looking forward to the crown of righteousness which God has for me. Are you here? All right. So now that you know how to discover your calling, the question is, how do you fulfill it when you discover it? Uh, look at what Paul said here. Paul said in this passage, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was what? Not in vain. Which means a person can be called to the office of an apostle as he was. And God's grace can be given to that person to fulfill that call. And at the end of the day, the grace that was given to them to fulfill the call was in vain. In other words, nothing happened. My goodness, I don't want to have been given the grace of God to do what I am doing today and do nothing with the grace and come to the end of my days and I am one of those for whom it will be said, God gave you grace to do this and yet you did nothing with it. It's possible. For the grace that God has given you to fulfill your particular calling to be in vain, to be for nothing. If you don't want that to be your case, then listen, because we're going to learn from Paul. Because Paul tells us his secret. He tells us how he was able to fulfill his call. He is an example God has given to all of us. And if we do what Paul did, we will fulfill our calling. Amen. So what did Paul do? What did it take for Paul to fulfill his calling? You know, at home, I have in our bathroom, the uh, master, ba master bathroom, uh, Pastor Chris has her, her side. I have my side. There are three bulbs over the mirror on my side, three bulbs over the mirror on her side. At one point in time, all three bulbs on my side and all three bulbs on her side were shining. All six of them were fulfilling their call. But if you were to go there today, and if I allow you to go into my, our master bathroom, and you flip the switch, you'll find that on my side, two bulbs are fulfilling their calling, one is not. On her side, two bulbs fulfilling her, their calling, one is not. So one bulb on my side, one bulb on her side. Even though exposed to the same electricity and the same source of power is failing to fulfill its call. 
Hmm? Now, last night, last night, Pastor Chris was teaching. They had, there's a seminar in Atlanta, and she was doing some teaching on marriage and all of that. And she was embarrassing me. I don't know who gives her permission to, to make me look bad when she starts talking. One of the things she talked about, she said, marriage is intended to kill you. <laughs> if you've gone through her, her counseling, you know she always says that. It's intended to kill you. So we're going to be married 40 years this year. And so she said, for 40 years I've been dying. I said, oh, you mean for 40 years that all I've been doing killing you? <laughs> So she was exposing me. <laughs> so I know, you know, she hasn't said anything to me about those bulbs, and it's been a while. I know she wants to change, but she hasn't opened her mouth. Instead, what she's been doing is dying. <laughs> so I guess the Holy Ghost brought it to my attention. Because this week, I promise you, Pastor Chris, all three of your bulbs will shine, and all three of the bulbs on my side will give light. Amen. This week, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. Amen. But here's the problem. The same source of power, the same electricity available to four bulbs, which are shining and fulfilling their calling, it's also available to those two bulbs that are not. What happened? Two of those bulbs are not utilizing, for whatever reason, they're not putting to work, they're not taking advantage of the electricity that is given to them. Even so, God gives grace to every single one of us to fulfill our calling. The same amount of grace that, I, that is given to me to do what I'm doing, that was given to Paul to fulfill his grace. God gives you and me enough grace to do what he's called us to do. So there's no reason not to do what you're called to do because grace is not available. God shows you unmerited favor. All he does, all of the unmerited favor you need to fulfill the call, God gives you. All of the undeserved strength that you need to fulfill the call, the supernatural power you need to start and finish the work and fulfill your calling is provided for you in Christ Jesus. It is provided to all of us. Therefore, all of us have enough grace and power to complete our assignments. If I do not complete my assignment, it's not because I didn't have grace sufficient. It's because like the light bulb, I didn't utilize the grace. I didn't take advantage of it. I didn't put it to work in my life. It was given, but I didn't respond to it. Grace is sufficient. Everybody say that. Grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength, my power is always made perfect in your weakness. So your weakness is not an excuse. Grace works best in people who, who, who don't have the power. So your lack of power, my lack of power, is no excuse for not fulfilling my call. God knows we don't have power, so he gave us an ample supply of his grace that is always more than enough for the call. 
But grace must be responded to. Grace doesn't happen, doesn't work by itself. The results grace had intended to produce will not be produced unless there is the response from us that grace requires. By grace are you saved through faith. There's always divine sovereignty. God by grace chose you to be who you are. God by grace chose me to be who I am. I didn't select myself. You didn't select yourself. I didn't appoint myself. You didn't appoint yourself. Sovereignly God said, I'm calling you for this. I'm calling you for that. I'm calling you for that. Sovereignly by grace. We didn't deserve it. He chose us. So there's always a God's part, the sovereign grace of God that we have no control over. But then there is human responsibility. There has to be a response to the grace of God. And sovereignty and responsibility do not cancel each other out. You know, in our minds, if we say God is sovereign, we may conclude, therefore, I am responsible for nothing. Or somebody may say, I'm responsible, therefore, God is not sovereign. Listen, in the mind of God and in the plan of God, both the sovereign will of God and the sovereign grace of God and human responsibility and responding to that grace exist side by side and they do not cancel each other. God can say to you, it all depends upon my grace. And then the very next thing I say, you better do this because if you don't do this, it's not going to happen. And in God's mind, there's no contradiction. Are you listening? So, God by grace saves us. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of, not of ourselves. It is not of works. So when it comes to the grace that saves your spirit and gets you born again, all you need to do to respond to the, the grace of God that saves your spirit and delivers your spirit from death is to say, Jesus, I believe the gospel. I believe what it says. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You don't have to add any effort. No effort is required. No work is required. Just believing in the finished work of Jesus is enough to save your spirit and get you born again. So when it comes to salvation, it is by grace, through faith, apart from works. But that, that refers to the saving of your spirit. But what about the sanctification of your soul? What about the fulfillment of your call? It's the same grace. But when it comes to sanctifying your soul. So that you are delivered. Your, your mind, your will and emotions are delivered from bondage to sin. And you can then glorify God. And you can build up his body and you can expand his kingdom. When it comes to the sanctification of your soul so that you can live a holy life. Yes, it's by grace. Yes, it's through faith. But there's something that you have to do for the grace that is available to become effectual. The Bible says you need to renew your mind. The Bible says you have to put off the old man and put on the new. So when it comes to the salvation, uh, the sanctification of your spirit, or when it comes to your body, the body has to be used when it comes to your call. Your call cannot be fulfilled just by your spirit. For the high calling of God to be fulfilled in your life, 
Hear me, it's going to take your mind, it's going to take your body. So Paul says, present your bodies unto God a living sacrifice. i got to present my body. My body has to get involved. So when it comes to my call, I can't just say, I believe in the finished work of Jesus. I believe that I'm saved. I believe I'm called to be an apostle or pastor. I believe I'm called to be a children's ministry worker. I believe I'm called to be a businessman creating businesses for the glory of God. You can't just say and say, I believe that, and it comes to pass. It's not apart from works. When it comes to your call, you've got to be able to say, I believe that Jesus Christ gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who has given me strength. But as you exercise your faith and you respond to the grace of God, that will empower you to do what God has called you to do. After you have believed and after you have confessed, your calling is not going to get fulfilled if you just stay in bed and say, I believe. You've got to take the next step. And you've got to start now in obedience to what his word says and what his spirit says concerning your calling. You've got to go to work. And it's when you start to work in obedience to fulfill your assignment, your calling, that the grace that is sufficient, the grace that will enable you, will begin to become effectual in your life. So the grace for fulfilling your call becomes effectual in your life when you've made the decision that you're going to present your mind and you're going to present your body and you are going to make an effort to fulfill that assignment while depending upon the grace of God for the strength and the ability to do it. Are you hearing me? Your calling, your high calling, will require your body. It's not fulfilled just by your spirit. It requires your soul. It requires your body. So therefore, it cannot be apart from effort. It cannot be apart from works. To fulfill your calling, you must believe the grace of God. You must receive the grace of God. You must depend upon the grace of God. But then you must bring your body and bring your soul and put your soul and your body to work. Doing what God has called you to do. All the while depending upon his grace for the motivation to keep doing it when it's tough. And for the strength and the power to complete it. In spite of every uh, uh, opposition that you encounter. Hallelujah. I, I could never be fulfilling my calling right now. If I didn't decide this morning I was going to get out of bed. And I didn't want to get out of bed. My body did not. Oh, I'm out of time. My body did not want to get out of bed. Hmm? But I can't fulfill my calling, letting my body dictate when it gets out of bed and when it shows up here. I have an assignment that this calling requires that I be here uh, before 8.30 or by 8.30 so that I can preach to you. And that's why I'm here. And that's why throughout all of this pandemic, when many chose to stay home, I chose to be here. Because I have a calling. 
And when I come to the end of my life, my goodness, I want, like the Apostle Paul, to be able to say, I finished, I fulfilled, I did what God called me to do. Hmm? That's why we're doing the same thing this service. And by the grace of God, as long as his grace makes it possible, we're going to keep showing up, doing what we're called to do. That was Paul's attitude. It needs to be yours and yours and yours. That needs to be the attitude of every man or woman who is serious about fulfilling their calling. What has God called you to do? Well, you know what he's called you to do. You know he's called you to love and glorify him with your life. You know he's called you to use your gifts, natural and spiritual, to build up his body. You know he's called you to expand his kingdom. You know that. Get busy fulfilling that general call. And when you discover your particular call, be faithful to that. I got to end, but there's a lot more I said in the first service that are different from what I'm saying here. So listen to the first and listen to the second messages to get the whole thing. But I hope you understand, you have a call. It's a high calling, and you can be like that bulb or those two bulbs in my bathroom that have electricity available but who are not utilizing it so they, 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 the electricity being provided to it is for nothing. You can be that way so that the grace that God has given you, and God has given you grace to fulfill your calling. Absolutely. You can be like those two bulbs who do not respond to that grace. Or you can be like the four that showed up, receives the, the, the electricity, the grace, and does what it's called to do, make light shine. If you have time, you do, you, not I mean if you have time, you have time. Listen with the time you have. Huh? Cut off the TV or the internet for one hour. You need the internet. Just, just set aside one hour so you can listen to the other half of this message. Are you hearing me? But let me just summarize with this. It should be clear to you that you have a call. It should be clear to you in this year of new beginnings that you need to fulfill that call. It should be clear to you that to fulfill that call, your body needs to show up for duty. Your, your, your soul needs to show up for duty. You can't fulfill this call simply by believing. When it comes to your calling, it's fulfilled by believing, by grace, I should say, by grace, through faith, accompanied by works. What kind of works? Look what Paul said. I labored. Do you know what laboring means? In the Greek, I worked to the point of exhaustion. Choir, you can start coming. I, 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 I labored. I worked to the point of what? Exhaustion. You're not going to fulfill the high calling if you want to take it easy. You're only going to serve when it's convenient. When your priority is more, your comfort, it's not going to happen, folks. Paul said, this is why the grace God gave me to be an apostle was not in vain. I depended upon the grace. I relied upon God's grace as though it was God and God alone who could fulfill this call. But then on the other hand, I worked as though only I, that without me, it couldn't happen. That is what it's going to take.
believe and depend upon the grace of God as though God alone can fulfill this because God alone can make it happen. But don't let that down become the reason why you sit. Instead, say this, because I can count on the grace of God working in me, with me, and through me, I therefore will work and put my best effort into fulfilling his call. Say because, come on, come on, come on. You guys can come on. Say because I can depend upon the grace of God to fulfill the call that he has given me. Therefore, I will put in my best effort to see this call fulfilled. If you, if you can't depend upon the grace of God, don't try because you're going to fail. But if you know you got the grace of God with you, backing you, that's motivation to give it your best because you know with the grace of God working with me, in me, and through me, if I put an effort into this, it's going to happen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Listen, you're going to need grace-empowered effort, but it's, it's going to be effort. It's not self-empowered effort. It's grace-empowered because you're depending upon the grace. The effort you're making will be empowered by that grace, but it's still going to require effort. And when you put in the effort to fulfill your call, you cause the grace that is in you to become effectual, to produce the desired results. May be true for you and me in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.